The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? I'm so excited today because we are going to be talking about luck. Do you make your luck or are you one that just is lucky born that way? And we're going to talk about that because I've just finished reading this wonderful book called Conscious Luck, Eight Secrets to Intentionally Change Your Fortune. Conscious Luck, and it's by Gay Hendricks, who we have with us this, this morning, and Carol Klein, and I'm going to have them tell a little bit more about themselves, but these people are real professionals. Uh, Gay has written over 40 books. He is an expert on so many things, from relationships to staying in shape and being fit, Carol being an angel writer or alias <laughs> ghost writer. We just, I just learned that slogan for her and she's written so many books herself and been a co-writer and she wrote happy uh for no reason which we've had marcy uh off on the show who was her co-author and so um this is the book conscious luck everybody wants to be lucky right so this is really important to talk about uh let's start out carol just tell us a little bit more about yourself i know a little bit more about you but i want my audience to know well, thank you. It's really great to be with you today, and I really appreciate this opportunity to talk to people about conscious luck. My background is writing and reading and speaking. I uh, have been sort of in the field of personal growth and consciousness since I was 15, um, you know, a long time ago. And I am a writer. I have written, co-authored many books, and one of my very favorite books that I ever did was a book I did with Gay Hendricks called You've Got to Read This Book. 55 people tell the story of the book that changed their life. And it was a delightful experience, and that's how Gay and I met, and then we kept running into each other here in Ojai. So my background is reading, writing, and animals. I love also animal welfare. Yes, yes. And I remember reading that book and read a bunch of the books that you guys talked about. So, so Gay, tell us a little bit more about you. Well, I'm a psychologist by trade, and I uh, used to work, uh, I started working way back. I actually saw my very first client in 1968. So I guess that would be 52 years ago. And I've been uh, working with people in various ways ever since. I got my doctorate at Stanford, and then I went to the University of Colorado. And for 21 years, I was a professor there teaching people how to be counseling psychologists. I was in a training program. We trained about 
1,200 therapists over the time that I was there. And then uh, my wife, Katie, and I, we've been together since 1980. So this is our 40th year of being together. Uh, back in the late 80s, we wrote a book called Conscious Loving. And we got on Oprah with it, and our lives changed radically after being on Oprah for an hour because we went from selling a small number of books every year to selling a great large number of books every year. And so uh, we developed our own institute and began doing seminars. And I think last time I counted, we'd been around the world 30-some times teaching our relationship seminars over the past 40 years. And so um, now uh, I have also embarked on, in addition to writing books like Conscious Luck, I've embarked on writing mystery novels, too. So I've uh, got uh, one day I'll work on a nonfiction book, the next day I'll work on a mystery novel. So I kind of straddle both things. But right now my passion is helping people empower themselves by realizing that they are a lot luckier than they think they are. And if they add a little bit of mental polish to it and emotional polish to it, they could make themselves vastly even luckier. Yes. Yeah positive thinking and just creating your own reality, right? And changing your thinking and changing your mind. And it's just amazing. So uh, we have eight secrets, but first of all, uh, tell us what is conscious luck? You, you named it gay. So you, you tell us what is conscious luck? Well, most people think of luck, like you mentioned in your introduction, as something that's either just gifted to you somehow, you have it down in you, or you don't, and there's no way to change it. But Carol and I are here to completely say the opposite. We are here to say that you can empower yourself consciously by adopting some different shifts in your mind, and also doing some different very practical things that you can do in minutes a day. And so conscious luck really is where you decide to take over the reins of your own journey. In other words, instead of sitting in the back seat rattling around, you step up and grab hold of the steering wheel and say, this is where I want to go. It's a lot about choosing to be lucky. And a lot of people don't realize that life, a lot of times, is a matter of choice, that you have a choice every moment to think of yourself as a lucky person or an unlucky person. And both of them will produce results. So why not go with the I'm a lucky person mindset and then just watch what happens as a result of that. Right. It's that old saying, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And there's so many, I mean, the beauty of what's happening, I think, in, in our culture is that there's so many more people that are starting to recognize that we are in control of our thoughts and we can choose a thought that's empowering or we can choose a thought that's disempowering. And either way, it's, it's going to happen that way. And that's what I love about this book because you give so many great examples. Carol, so I, I remembered in this in their book when you two had met and he had given you to read it as like a beta reader to see when he started writing it. And uh, what was it that you thought was so great about this book and why you wanted yeah. to help him write it? That is a great question because it was it wasn't on a conscious level at first. When he gave me this manuscript in 2012. I read it and it was, you know, earlier iteration. It was a little, you know, it needed work in my opinion, it needs more substance and more additional work. And, but yet when he said he didn't want to do it, I usually went, oh, you know, if people do that, I, I kind of just go, okay, no problem. But this book had its claws in me. 
And I just kept thinking about it. I kept thinking, I did the exercises in the first part of the book that were already there. And I thought, everybody should do this. This is mind bending. This is, this is important. So when I, I would see Gay maybe once or twice a year, I'd go to his Christmas party or I'd see him in the store and I'd say, Gay, what are you doing with this book? And he'd say, nothing. <laughs> I'm, I'm on to other things. And I'd say, okay. But inside it haunted me and haunted me. And eventually uh, I, re- I recount this in the book. I, I said to Gay, Gay, what if, what if I help you finish it? What if I, you know, yeah. and he said, that's a great idea. <laughs> and it was, it was such a gift to me because I don't know, I've written Happy for No Reason and Love for No Reason. I was telling you this, Mari, beforehand. And when you, when you write a book, you have to own it. You have to understand it so well that you can say it in a way that other people can get it. Yes. So I've, I've become unconditionally happy, unconditional loving, loving, more loving. And now I'm luckier. I am consciously lucky. So yes. it was a lucky day when I met Gay and a lucky day when he gave me that manuscript. And it's been a lucky collaboration. Yes. And I hope it, I know it will be lucky for our readers. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's so funny what you were just saying about when you write the book, you kind of live it. And, and that's exactly what, what I've done when I've written my books. You, you start to really live that life and you have to walk your talk. And it's, <laughs> it's amazing how it changed my marriage too, of writing a book about, you know, turn conflict into intimacy. I mean, my goodness, it really, it does work. So uh, yeah. And being lucky and thinking you're lucky, you know, um, I've always had this kind of philosophy. So when I read the book, I went, this is exactly how I, I think. And this is a, a much better way of saying it than I ever said it. But, you know, I'll say to my husband, okay, we're going to find a parking place. He goes, oh, we're not. Look how crowded it is. I said, somebody's going to pull out right in front of us. And that happens like 95% of the time <laughs> I listen to him. You know, I find that parking spot. Or if I, if I say this is going to be a good meeting, you know, I mediate for a living as an attorney. And if I go in there and I say, this is going to be a great, I, I just going to visualize them shaking their hands, hugging each other at the end. This is going to be good. It's going to work. And I just go in with that mindset. And the more I do it, the more it happens. So, you know, it's it, what you're saying in this book and the exercises are just incredible. So um, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, people think that they can't control their destiny. So let's start talking about, I mean, I don't want to give everything away, but people are going to want to read this book after they hear the eight, you know, the eight steps here, so to speak. So can we, Gay, can we start out and talk about the first one? Yes. Well, if you think about it, Mary, any kind of change process has to begin with a moment of willingness. You know from working with your clients that you can't really work with a person unless they're willing to be there or willing to have a change. And I started out my career 50 years ago working in a school for juvenile delinquents. And boy, these guys were not willing to change. I mean, they were there because they weren't even willing to obey the law. And so I kind of cut my teeth on really tough customers. And, uh, and so, um, but in a way, we're all the same because we get attached to our old ways of thinking. And then when we, when we start to change, a lot of times that gets scary because we're in a place where we don't want to be with the old way of thinking anymore, but you haven't quite landed the new way of thinking. Uh, Richard Bach once said something really great in one of his books. He said, um, 
if you argue enough for your limitations, sure enough, <laughs> you'll get to keep them. And, uh, you know, when I bring... Convince yourself enough, right? <laughs> uh, well, we teach a lot of these principles in our seminars here at the Hendricks Institute. And one of the things that always amazes me is we tell people, don't believe these things, just look for the results. And so we'll have people before lunch someday, we'll ask them, would you be willing to have luckier experiences today than you had yesterday? So just get willing first. Right. And then we add a second step that's really important in the book. And there's a whole way to do it in the book. But let me give you the 10 second version right now. Okay. The second way to get lucky besides willing to be lucky is to commit to being lucky. If you think about it, everything you get in life is because you're committed to getting it whether it's positive or negative. If it's positive, great, you've got a positive intention. But a lot of times our unconscious intentions produce results just as well, but they're results that we don't like very much. Um, I did a lot of research on people who win the lottery yeah. and what happens to them right afterwards. And you'd be shocked to know that within a year, Many people, sometimes up to half in some studies, have already lost the money they made and many cases are back under where they were before they even won the lottery in the first place. And so it's not just having a lucky day that's important. It's creating a lucky life where you have a foundation of these eight principles under you. And like one of the people that Carol interviewed, this amazing uh, Stanford professor named Tina Selig, she, she compares luck to it's there all the time, like the wind. We just need to open our sails to it and tune ourselves to it in the right way. And I've used the analogy of the luck channel is already on your television. You just need to know how to tune to it. And then once you get tuned to it, things flow a lot easier. Right, right. And and you're so right about committing, you know, when you and you have in the book where you you actually want us to write in there, I commit to being lucky. And you say that throughout the book. So yeah, it's uh it's it, it is. It's a it's a whole it's a mindset. So so you know, as a psychologist, um and, and I have a master's in psychology, by the way, I don't I don't use it except as a mediator, but um, you know, when you when you commit but you have this unconscious like i don't deserve this right i don't deserve it so that's the challenge is how do you get over that you know when your when your conscious mind is saying i commit to this i commit to being lucky i commit to being positive i commit to to seeing the good in everything okay when you commit to that what happens if your unconscious collides with that well one thing to know is when you expand, like many people have read my other book, The Big Leap, which is all about the upper limit problem and what causes the upper limit problem, which is a tendency when we get to a certain level of positive energy, we dial up some way of clunk, knocking ourselves back down right. below where we were before. Like a, like a thermostat. A thermostat, exactly. <laughs> and what a lot of people didn't realize though, up until I wrote The Big Leap, is that fear is the issue underneath the upper limit problem. And fear is the issue that causes people to trip once, trip up once they've set a positive intention. Because you may have a you may set a new positive intention to shine more in the world, to occupy more space, to be happier, to be more loving. 
But then oftentimes that brings up old fears that come from earlier stages in your life. And those fears have old beliefs with them. Like one big belief that a lot of my clients come to me with is the big belief of, I don't deserve to be lucky. I don't deserve to have the good things of life happen to me. I'm fundamentally flawed in some way. That's their thinking. And they've had that way of thinking oftentimes since before they were born. In other words, they've had programming that's been running their life that they didn't know was running their life. One of the biggest ones is that I don't deserve to have love. I don't deserve to have abundance. I don't deserve to have good fortune. Yeah, I'm not good enough type of thing. I'm not good enough. I'm, uh, the, the phrase we've heard more than anything else is a person will say, I feel there's some kind of fundamental flaw in me. And so that feeling that people carry around, I was, um, you know, like there's an old Turkish uh, saying that says, if a bald man finds a cure, he will surely first use it on himself. And I used all these things on my first, <laughs> on myself first to <laughs> transform my own life. And I right. found that really we're only just a few breaths away from changing our life completely. We say three breaths and one thought, because if you take three easy breaths, you'll find that that shifts the chemistry in your body toward more ease and relaxation. We say fear is excitement without the breath. When you forget to breathe, you get scared. But when you, when you breathe along with yourself, that very fear turns to excitement. And that's a very key moment when you learn to steer your own emotions so that we're all going to have things that we're sad about from time to time or angry about from time to time or mm -hmm. scared about from time to time. That's the normal human condition, just like we're all going to have joy and peace at certain times in our life. But the important thing to do is learn how to not get stuck inside those emotions so they keep recycling themselves. Yes. Sophocles, the playwright, once said, when you're scared, everything rustles. In other words, when you're looking out there at the world to see what's scary, everything looks scary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Once you get in that, and that, and I love that that saying that fear, F E A R, is false expectation appearing real. And if you remind yourself that you know, right in this very moment, that's not happening. You know, it's not like you're. Um, being chased by, you know, a, a mountain lion or something. <laughs> as long as you're not being chased by a mountain lion, then, you know, the fear isn't, isn't that thing, you know? Okay. So then the next one, um, release your personal barriers to good fortune. Carol, what about that one? Well, I think Gay addressed that slightly just then. He gave a perfect introduction to it, right, which is right. that a lot of us basically are as lucky as we think we deserve to be. We have our biggest problem, our biggest obstacle in luck, uh, for luck is that we feel we're unlucky and we feel that we don't deserve luck. So you've just really, got it. so you have to, your mental conditioning, your old mental conditioning gets in the way. So becoming aware of it is the very first key. And that's why conscious in this instance has to do with willingness and becoming aware of consciously doing something. So we, uh, we have some wonderful uh, techniques, uh, things that you can do in the, that are based on gay's counseling practice. And I find them to be simple but remarkable. 
in their effectiveness, in separating yourself gently and easily without, um, what's that word, gay, you always are saying this, where if you try and, if you try and beat your way, you'll be wrestling with the, the uh, thing you don't want if you continue to resist it yeah. and, and push it out. But there's a certain ease, the way Gay was talking about breathing and then changing things. So we have, you want to release the personal barriers to luck to allow you to let the commitment take, take growth. You've planted the seed with the commitment, and then you need to clear away the weeds that are going to choke it out. Right. And what, you know, that reminds me of another thing that I always say is what I resist persists. <laughs> yeah, it's really true, though. You can feel how if you start grappling with something it keeps it in place really because right. then it's got a grip on you it's like that old saying about dancing with a bear you know dancing with a, with a bear at first is great <laughs> and then you decide wait a minute i want to stop dancing but the bear keeps on dancing you know and so we get into these kind of relationships with our negative emotions where they keep recycling over and over again when really what they need is a little bit of love just loving them the way they are, loving them as they are, is a beautiful place to start when any kind of stuff comes up. Because if you think about it, whatever comes up is there to be loved. If it weren't there to be loved, it wouldn't have come up in the first place. So our big task in life oftentimes is learning to love the things that we find most unlovable about ourselves and the world. Right. And, and looking for the good in everything, you know, whether people were looking for the good, I keep looking for the good in all this craziness with the virus, you know, there's so I've, I've actually made lists of all the good things that are coming out of this. And I think if we learn to look for the good, it's going to be there. If you want to look for the good luck, it's going to be there. But Carol, what about shame? That's, that's the third one, huh? To release shame. A lot of us have shame from stupid stuff from the past. Well, the, there, are four, there are eight secrets, as we discussed, and the first four are foundational. They are things that you need to work on in, core, in your core shift. And then the last four uh, secrets have to do with your daily activity, with practices you can do every day. And the first three, we've talked about committing, willingness, commitment, um, the you know, releasing your, your barriers, but this one particular barrier of shame and shame, I think has been a perfect segue. Gay has talked about these really important, um, I'm sorry, there's something on my screen. Um, yeah, these still look great. Oh, all right. Well, it's hard for me to focus. Can't even see. Uh, so the point being that, uh, shame is a personal barrier to luck that is so deep that it's become so unconscious it's feeling, as Gay said, that we're fundamentally flawed, that not only do we, we may feel guilty about things we've done, but shame is that more insidious feeling that we are no good, that we are bad. Right. So in the, the book, we have a technique that really comes from Gay exper Gay's experience of his own realizing that shame is not just an emotion that lives in our hearts and our minds, but also lives in our bodies. Right. And that it occupies physical space, cellular space, and Gay had an amazing experience, an epiphany of sorts, that we have reproduced with a meditation you can do to approximate Gay's experience because what it did for him was that he was able to take the shame that he held in his body and actually take that dark energy and turn it into light, not only light, but an attractor for luck. 
And it's a, a beautiful, absolutely transformational experience to have that. And then to know that that is going to bring you more luck is really, it's really a gift. So I really was excited that Gay could take this very personal experience he had and turn it into something that could help other people have the kind of luck that Gay has in his life. Gay, you talked about a lot of these experiences you had. You want to share what she's talking, the particular one she's talking about? Yes, it goes kind of deep. Um, I was, I, I didn't realize I was carrying around very much shame. I'd done, you know, in my own training and everything, I did a lot of therapy and learned about myself and that kind of thing. But shame had really never entered into it in any big way. And I had a colleague many years ago, John Bradshaw, he and I were friends, and he wrote a whole book about shame. And I, I still didn't really get it, you know, frankly, I couldn't, you know, quite lock in a I was down in Florida cleaning out my mother's house after she passed away about 30 years ago. And I came across stuffed in the back of a picture frame. I, was, I found a letter to my mother from her church group while she was pregnant with me. And the letter was basically saying, please, Norma, there's nothing to be ashamed about. We accept you. Um, and you don't have to just hide in your house during this whole pregnancy, you know, feeling ashamed. We, it was all about how they would love her and accept her, even though she felt so much shame. This was while she was pregnant with me. And uh, it, later on, I found out a whole bunch of reasons that she might have felt shame um, when she was pregnant with me. But what, what I realized in that moment was, my goodness, I spent nine months of my life pickled in shame, but didn't oh even God. know that about myself. Wow. And as I was standing there, I started thinking, okay, I know I can feel sadness in my chest. And I feel, when I feel scared, I feel it down here in my belly. And oh, when I feel angry, I can feel tension up here in my neck. Yeah. But where is shame? Wow. And when I asked that question, suddenly I realized I could feel it all over different places in my body, particularly for some reason in my lower legs, the back of my legs, my calves, and that kind of thing. It felt like a kind of an old burning sensation down in there. Mm -hmm. And But here's where the kind of bolt of lightning hit me. I said, wow, I've got all this new territory that I wasn't even aware of in my body why don't I just rededicate it to something better than shame since I can now feel it. And so I dedicated it as an attractor field for abundance and good luck and positive energy. Yeah. And I recommend that people do that with all of their emotions, that if there's some feeling you don't enjoy, go ahead and love it, but then rededicate that space as an attractor field for the good things in life. And that's, it certainly worked like a charm for me, and I'd like to hear from other people that start doing this, how it works for them. Wow, that's amazing. So for you, Carol, did you try something like that? Did you have anything that you could feel an emotion that, that you wanted to reverse that you were able to do? Well, I did the exercise that we, we formulated together, and it was remarkable. And it did, I, I don't have... I don't remember shame in my life. I had a really great childhood and shame didn't come up for me in that so much, but there was just feelings of not being enough. I, I like gay called these curses and that he felt like in his practice that lifting curses, this feeling of not being wanted or not being enough 
not being the right gender. They're again, insidious uh, sort of be limiting beliefs that, that linger and, and stay in the back of your awareness or and even beyond too, your awareness. Yeah, and, and also too, it's important you see because something like shame, it wasn't really, I mean, it, I was there for it, but it was somebody else's problem. Right. right. And but, but you so inherited it. <laughs> I inherited it. And that's the truth for a lot of our programming. It doesn't yeah. really have anything to do about us. And whether it's abandonment, here, like I know my mother was abandoned and I had feelings of abandonment. So yeah, all that stuff to get rid of. Did you hear it? We are out of time. So I, <gasps> I mean, we could, we could go on and have several of these, but I want to say this book again, it's called Conscious Luck, Eight Secrets. We only got to really four. Eight Secrets to Intentionally Change Your Fortune, and this is by Gay Hendricks right here, a, an author of over 40 books, and Carol Klein, who's written, met, how many books have you written? This will be my 14th. 14th book, okay. <laughs> Both of them, and wonderful people, and just great exercises and wonderful things to do. So make sure that you pick this up and read it. I want to thank you both for joining me. Why don't you give the website for the book and people can find out more about it. Yes, go to ConsciousLuck.com, ConsciousLuck.com. And also, if you go there, you can see where a bunch of different places to buy the book. But there's also a couple of cool free bonuses that go along with the book. So go to ConsciousLuck.com and uh, find your favorite bookseller there. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And we will definitely have you back again. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Join us every Monday morning at 830 a.m. and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.